the volume. Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere, like at your pregame barbecue. While you prep your meats, that grease trap you forgot to empty is prepping to smoke your porch, garage, and the car inside. And without the right home and auto insurance coverage, the cost to repair this could eat up your savings. So bundle home and auto with Allstate to save and get protected from mayhem like this. Bundled savings variant are not available in every state. Coverage is subject to policy terms and conditions. Looking to step up your Mother's Day flowers? The Home Depot has an idea. Let mom's green thumb do some digging with colorful flowers, pots, and premium soils to bring out the most in her patios, walkways, and gardens. Right now, get Vigoro Potting Soil, just $8.97 for strong, healthy, vibrant plants indoors and outside. Shop our wide selection online and pick up your order in-store and give mom the gift of a beautiful garden. Get Vigoro Potting Soil, just $8.97 at The Home Depot. How doers get more done. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yeah, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Lakers Tonight is presented by FanDuel Sportsbook. There's no better place to make every moment more than with FanDuel. It's a great place to bet on the NBA. It's America's number one sportsbook, and you get winnings delivered in as quick as two hours. Plus, it's fun to combine multiple bets from the same game into a same-game parlay. If you are new, just download FanDuel Sportsbook app to get started now. Sign up with promo code JasonT so they know I sent you. 21 plus and present in Arizona, Colorado, Connecticut, Indiana, Louisiana, permitted parishes only, Michigan, New Jersey, New York, Tennessee, Virginia, or West Virginia. First online real money wager only. Refund issued as non-withdrawable site credit that expires in 14 days. Restrictions apply. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text NEXT STEP to 53342 in Arizona. 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat in Connecticut. 1-800-GAMBLER or visit FanDuel.com slash RG in Colorado, Indiana, New Jersey, and Virginia. 1-877-770-STOP in Louisiana. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY to 467-369 in New York. In Tennessee Redline, Dial 1-800-889-9789 in Tennessee. Visit www.1800gambler.net in West Virginia. All right, welcome to Lakers tonight, presented by FanDuel here on The Volume. I am Jason Timp. Happy Thursday, everybody. I hope all of you are having a good start to your week, or I should say a good end to your week. Um, You know, it's funny. I took some notes from the game tonight, you know, talked about how Dwight had a really good game against the Clippers last week, but he was struggling this week. And I talked about, you know, Monk and Reeves and their chemistry and I had all these notes and I decided that they don't deserve it. (laughs) They don't, they don't deserve for me to dive into the weeds, the basketball weeds of this team when this team doesn't care enough about their own fate 
and their own situation to fight. And when they fight, when they do, they go on Saturday against Golden State, they put up a fight. I, I'm excited to get into the, the, the nitty-gritty of the basketball. But the basketball is irrelevant if this team's not going to play hard. The basketball is irrelevant if this team's going to fight to get back within three and then completely roll over in the third quarter, which represents two entirely different personas. And that mix doesn't make any sense. You know, it's funny. I have this longstanding theory with the way that I evaluate basketball teams. I look at their defensive rating, not just because of an indicator of defense, but I look at defensive rating as a general indicator of effort. And more often, like the, the Lakers, who were the number one defense in the league last year and the number three defense in the league the year they won the title, they would have nights where the defense didn't look good. They would have nights where their effort was poor, but they were the exception. And more often than not, they were engaged and they cared and they were extremely difficult to score on. And it manifested in those numbers. This team is the exact opposite of that. That run you saw at the end of the second quarter, that's the exception. That's not who this team is. That's when this team gets out of character. The character of this team is what you saw in the third quarter. The character of this team is knowing full well, having a firm understanding of what works for them and still not doing it because it's hard and for whatever reason they don't want to. And it's funny because I was thinking about this earlier today when DeAndre Jordan got signed uh, by the Philadelphia 76ers. When DeAndre Jordan was signed by the Lakers, I kind of liked the signing, not, not because I wanted him to start. That was way, way, way different than what I saw from that signing. But my ideology was this Laker team has the best defensive culture in the league. This Laker team cares. And, and, and DJ was playing on a Nets team that did not care on the defensive end. And so what my thought was is you're going to play Dwight and you're going to play AD, and maybe when DJ has to play because of injuries or whatever, the, the load management or whatever it might be, he'll get swept up in that defensive culture, and he'll look a little bit more like the old DJ than he did when he was in Brooklyn. And that was completely wrong because the Lakers' defensive culture utterly disappeared in the last six months. And I think it's a couple of different things. Some of it's frank, and we're going to get to that in just a second. A lot of it is the fact that we, as fans, massively underestimated how important Alex Crusoe was, how important Contavious Caldwell-Pope was, how important Danny Green was, how important even Dennis Schroeder was to the 2021 Lakers, holding down that team when LeBron and Anthony Davis went down. They were a huge part of what made this team what they were in their identity on the defensive end of the floor and just in general with their effort. And we, none of us, gave them enough credit. In that 2020 season when they won the title, it was all about LeBron and AD. And I'm not, I'm not shirking any of that blame because it was me too. And we massively underestimated how much those guys and their willingness to fight on a possession-by-possession possession basis made that team work. And that was evidenced by the fact that the following season when LeBron and AD both went down, they were still the best defense in the league without those guys. And for whatever reason, the people in that room, and I'm not going to give them too much of a hard time about it because we made the same mistake as fans, we massively, massively underestimated how important that was. 
And it's disappointing because I think that's the, the guy, that has to be the entire goal this offseason is try to figure out how to recreate that culture because it's not going to be LeBron and AD. LeBron and AD are both having massive issues staying available. LeBron's literally playing through a knee injury right now. Anthony Davis, for whatever reason, can't stay on the court. And even when they were on the court this season, they weren't fueling that. So you can't depend on them. And you can't just count on a coach coming in to do it because Frank Vogel preaches defense every waking second of every minute he's in that building, and even that didn't work. So you have to find a way to recreate that identity this offseason by finding guys that naturally, at their core, their DNA as basketball players, want to do that stuff. That has to be the goal. Not offensive players. Not guys who can shoot next to LeBron. No, it needs to be guys who are willing to set the tone in all of the effort and energy areas of the game. For those of you who are just joining us, this is Lakers Tonight presented by FanDuel here on The Volume. I was just talking about how frustrated I am with the guys around LeBron and AD this season and how poor their effort and focus has been relative to what the previous guys were. I wanted to talk about Frank Vogel and Ty Lue for a second because they represent a super interesting a dynamic that took place with the Lakers over the course of the last couple of years. In many ways, the Ty Lue situation was the original sin of this Lakers era. The first indicator of where things were going off the rails. I liked Ty Lue in Cleveland. I watched every game he coached there, at least before LeBron left. And... You know, in 2016, I thought he did an excellent job. I didn't agree with everything he did in 2017. I thought he was preaching transition too much. I think it was part of why their defense fell apart. But that's normal for a new coach to, to, to try to inflict his philosophy on somebody before on a team before really taking the time to realize what works best for that team. But Ty Lue, in the years since then, has become one of the best coaches in the league. And the job that he's done with the Clippers – is one of the best jobs that we've seen a coach do in this league. And I think it's a credit to Ty Lue for adapting. That is the job. The job of a coach in basketball is to adapt. The reason why is you are a constant, but everything around you is not. Your personnel changes on a year-by-year basis. Your personnel changes on a game-by-game basis because of injuries and COVID and load management and, and trades and any, any of the number of things that can happen in a regular season, it's a constantly shifting dynamic. Then there's the league. It has to do with the way that the league is playing, the way the best teams in the league are playing, the strategies that they're using. It has to do with matchups in a postseason series. That was a huge deal for Mike Budenholzer before he won a championship was his stubbornness and his unwillingness to adapt. And that has turned into Ty Lue's strength. Because the way Ty Lue coaches this Clippers team is way ahead of the curve. He is on top of the things that work best in this era. And he could have been had by the Lakers. He wanted to sign there. There's a famous photo. It was going on uh, uh, social media earlier today of Ty Lue having a Lakers birthday cake. The truth of the matter is, is that was on the table and could have been had. But Ty Lue wanted to be paid as a championship coach. Why? Why? Why do you guys think Ty Lue wanted to be play- paid as a championship coach? Oh, it's because he won a championship. But then the Lakers offered him standard NBA coach money and standard NBA coach length of the deal, and Ty Lue was insulted and he walked away, as he should have.
because that was insulting. And so they went with the discount coach. And I don't want to be super hard on Frank here because the reality is with Frank is he did a really good job in that 2020 season. But it was a perfect storm of events that went right for him. It was an archaic style of roster. For 60% of the minutes in the regular season, they played AD at the four. They were playing traditional centers. They were not playing five-out basketball. They were playing traditional you know, uh, four-out, one-in offensive basketball. On the defensive end of the floor, they were screen, uh, pl- playing screen and roll coverages that were very traditional, chasing and, ch- and, and funneling guys into your size underneath the basket. But as the league has evolved, as guards have gotten extremely good at shooting off the dribble at any spot on the floor, drop coverages have become less effective. As NBA teams have gone smaller and played more guards and more wings and, and gone positionless and gone, in many cases, no bigs, all of a sudden when you got a Dwight Howard on the floor, you can run him off the floor because your overall foot speed is too high. And in that 2020 season, there was a perfect storm. The league wasn't quite ready to get out of that era in the sense that the Lakers were too much to handle. And the roster was perfectly catered to what, to, uh, to what Frank Vogel did. And so he had that moment, and it went well for him. Ever since then, it's been a complete disaster. The Lakers had spacing issues all year last year as they played AD at the four for only uh, for only uh, they played AD at the five for only ten percent of the minutes. So nine out of ten possessions, AD was at the four alongside another big, and it didn't work. Got into the postseason, their offense was really struggling, and the spacing was horrible, and ended up being one of the many things that crippled the Lakers towards the end of the season. And then this season, we don't have to get into the weeds, but it's been an absolute disaster on almost every front, because Frank Vogel was a vintage coach from a bygone era. And the style of basketball that he wants to play doesn't work anymore. It might not work even if the Lakers were 100% healthy. It might not work even if the 2020 Lakers were playing today. It's possible that that style might not function anymore. Ty Lue, meanwhile, look at what he's done with the Clippers. He doesn't even, he doesn't even want to play. A traditional center. He just does it now because of what their roster forces them to do. But he plays four guys that can guard multiple positions, that can move their feet on the perimeter. It's all dribble drive attack. He's got an advanced zone. He's got like a matchup zone that he used a lot on the Lakers tonight. That's a that's a, a wrinkle that you didn't see a ton in the NBA in, in recent years. But a lot of the really good coaches around the league are starting to do now. A lot of the really good coaches around the league are starting to experiment a little bit. It's not just, here's my drop coverage, here's my five-on-five defense. It's, here's this nifty zone. Here's a lot of aggressive trapping. Here's a box and one. You're seeing all kinds of nifty, crazy stuff from the the forward-thinking coaches in the league. So, Ty Lue could have been had if Jeannie was willing to spend, but Jeannie wanted to be cheap, and instead she got Frank Vogel. Frank Vogel did really well when the circumstances were perfect for him. And since then, the circumstances haven't been, and it's been a disaster. So in many ways, the Ty Lue situation was the original sin of this era. It was the first mistake in a long line of mistakes that came from the top that led to the disintegration of one of the best pairings in NBA history. That's how much of a catastrophe this has been. But the long and short of it is is that He's got to go right now. 
What are you gaining by keeping him around? You know, my friend Pete Zayas from Laker Film Room said this the other day on his podcast, and I thought it was really, really important in this circumstance. He said, you can't grow anything in poison soil. And what he was talking about is that the Lakers are doing irreparable damage right now by not audibling from this. Think about it. Months ago, we knew the Lakers were like this. Months ago, we knew this was a disaster. And for months, we talked about how they needed to make personnel moves. We talked about how they had to shake up the roster. We talked about how they had to make a coaching change. But instead, they made no changes to the roster at the trade deadline. And then their big shakeup buyout signing was a tiny 34-year-old guard, as if that was going to solve their problems. And a really interesting athletic forward that Frank Vogel has no interest in playing for whatever reason. So, Frank is still here. And all the guys that are the culprits of this disaster are still here. And because they're still playing this way, they're doing irreparable damage. Not just to the culture of this team, but to their reputation around the league. Let's say this summer comes around and Rob Polinka calls you, and you're a player in the market for a veteran minimum to a mid-level exception. And Rob Polinka goes, hey, buddy, you should come play with the Lakers. You can play alongside LeBron James and Anthony Davis. Do you not think they're going to think about nights like tonight? Do you not think they're going to think about this disaster? You don't think that's going to influence their decision-making? After the Lakers won the title, they had access to a great deal of discounted talent. Montrezl Harrell was expected to make more in the open market. He chose the Lakers. Marcus Saul could have made more in the open market. He chose the Lakers. They were able to get these good players because the culture of the team was attractive to people out there. And then last year, you could throw it all away to injuries, and they still competed. They still had good culture, so they were able to get who they wanted. They just picked the wrong guys. But that's, that's going to be one of the big roadblocks this summer now. LeBron's older. The attractiveness of playing alongside him is not the same. Anthony Davis is injury-prone. The attractiveness of playing alongside him is not the same. And the front office and ownership group is literally as incompetent as you'll find in the league. That's not attractive to people who would consider signing with the Lakers. So that's why it's so important to do something to blow this up now. Fire Frank Vogel, get a look at Phil Handy. See if he can coach in the NBA. Start your process now. Moving on to LeBron, this is in the same vein. He's out here chasing Kareem. And again, and I said this on the pod the other day, I don't want to hear any sort of referendum on LeBron's career because he's stat padding in a losing effort. This dude has won more basketball games and won more NBA championships than any franchise in the NBA since he came into the league in 2003. So you're full of shit if you want to go down that route. But it's not pretty. And I don't like it. I don't like the way it risks his body as he's playing through an injury. And I don't like the way it poisons the soil. I don't like the way that it continues to lend itself to this negative culture of poor effort and the wrong priorities. I understand it's a difficult conversation to have with LeBron because he's going after Kareem. But something somebody's got to say something. As like 
I, at a certain point, like Melo, LeBron, Dwight Howard, Kent Bazemore, Avery Bradley, Trevor Ariza, all these guys need to stop playing, and they need to lean as much as they can on the youth so at least the product on the floor for the rest of the season plays hard. Think about this, guys. If the Lakers fall out of the play-in, they lose their first-round pick this summer. So there is legitimate stakes, even if, it, even if you throw away the postseason and just think about it as getting to the 10 seed. There's stakes, and they still don't care. They don't care. They are actively sabotaging this environment by not caring. And that goes from the top down. That goes from Jeannie with everything she's done. That goes with Rob with not making any changes to this roster and just saying, here, you guys fend for yourselves. It goes with Frank Vogel and his incredible stubbornness. It goes with LeBron and his unwillingness to fight through circumstances like this. And it goes down the roster with the guys not willing to do the job. And so if there's going to be something to salvage here down the stretch, it has to be done in the, in, in the way of effort. And the easiest way to do that, get rid of Frank Vogel, get a young coach in there, like a, a new coach like Phil Handy in there to, to try. He'll bring some enthusiasm at least. It's his first coaching gig. And give the younger players a chance to play because at least they'll go out there for the Lakers faithful and play hard. One of my coworkers here at the volume, Draymond Green, did a whole bit the other day about the Laker fans booing LeBron. And the Lakers. And for the record, there's a part of his point that I agree with. The idea that the Lakers are the most successful franchise in NBA history. The idea that for the previous two seasons, not only did the Lakers bring you a championship, but they brought you a great deal of effort and respect for the game. So there is a certain amount of respect that has to be paid towards them for what they've accomplished in this era. However, on Sunday night, when the season was very much salvageable, where LeBron and AD or where LeBron and Russ, had they tried, could have won the game, they came out and mailed it in. And mailing it in is probably underselling just how poor their effort was. And one of the things I pointed out on the show was, as a fan, when you've worked your tail off all week, and in the back of your head when you're at dealing with the grind of work and you're thinking about your favorite team and the big game they have tonight and how important it is and how much you hope they come through and they go out and they don't try? How do you not boo? And so in defense of Laker fans, I totally understand where they're coming from. It's despicable what you're seeing. Over the course of the last couple of weeks, it's a disgrace to the game of basketball. The Lakers are worse than the Clippers. That's true. It's a tough matchup for them in a lot of ways. That's true. The Lakers don't have the personnel to hang with some of the best teams in the league. That's true. They're not 30 points worse than the Clippers. They're not 30 points worse than them. That, that, that's a team that doesn't care. And something has to be done to change things up. Or it's going to be one of a complete disaster over the next month and a half, and this team's going to have this team's going to have absolutely nothing to build on going into the next season. I, I can't talk. I can't talk anymore. Lakers tonight. Let's let's move on. So I, I wanted to touch on on two other games tonight. I wanted to touch on 
Grizzlies, Celtics, and on the Heat Nets. This is Lakers Tonight presented by FanDuel here on The Volume. Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere, like at your pregame barbecue. While you prep your meats, that grease trap you forgot to empty is prepping to smoke your porch, garage, and the car inside. And without the right home and auto insurance coverage, the cost to repair this could eat up your savings. So bundle home and auto with Allstate to save and get protected from mayhem like this. Bundled savings variant are not available in every state. Coverage is subject to policy terms and conditions. The Home Depot wants every mom to have their own outdoor oasis this Mother's Day. Whether that be a new space to relax or a beautiful garden upgrade, at The Home Depot, you can give mom a gift that's as unique as she is with a stylish and comfortable place to entertain or relax for the mom who does it all. And with convenient delivery, you won't have to stress over getting it to her either. Looking to step up your Mother's Day flowers for the mom who's great with gardening? Let mom's green thumb do some digging with colorful flowers, pots, and premium soils to Bring out the most in our patios, walkways, and gardens with the Home Depot's Mother's Day Savings Event happening now. Get Vigoro Potting Soil, just $8.97 for strong, healthy, vibrant plants indoors and outside. Start your Mother's Day shopping and saving today by checking out the Home Depot's extensive selection online at homedepot.com or directly in-store near you with convenient pickup and delivery options. See homedepot.com slash delivery for details. The Home Depot, how doers get more done. Hey guys, this is Matt Jones, Drew Franklin from the Fade This Podcast. We got a great episode coming up. Picks in all the sports, football, basketball, we do them all. But here's a preview of this week's episode. Do you think it's more embarrassing to dye your hair or to have hair plugs? I don't think either are embarrassing if you're not trying to conceal it and act like you didn't. Okay, so you think if you just come out and go, I got hair plugs... Yeah, like check out these hair. Pl- I mean, don't just walk around. Hey, tapping. Hey, hey, stranger. I don't want you thinking this is natural. You know, but I mean, <laughs> do you, you have to do that with everyone you meet? Some people try to act like they. Uh, you know what I mean? Yeah, but I mean, like, like John Cena got it. You know, when John Cena came back to wrestling, he had a bald spot, and now he doesn't. Mm-hmm. You think he should be required in all interviews to say, "Look, by the way, I covered up my bald spot." Yeah, I guess it's weird. I mean, you don't wear a sign or like put a sign in your yard, but all right. So, what about toupees? Those are the most obvious. I but let's like. say you're like Bill Self and you can get it to where it looks good. His is magical. I don't even know if his is a toupee. It is. Though. I think he went into the future and had a procedure we haven't even discovered yet. And this episode was brought to you in partnership with DraftKings. To hear more, listen and subscribe to Fade This on iHeartRadio or wherever you listen to podcasts. So the Grizzlies are a team that I have frequently talked about as a as a you know long shot contender. Not even really a long shot. Call them a dark horse. They're a team that I think has the necessary pieces to win a championship. Because they have a great deal of size and athleticism. They have interior size and strength. They've got shooting. And they've got an all-world superstar that nobody can guard. And I talked a lot about how the biggest thing that excites me about that team as a playoff threat is the fact that John Morant presents a 2006 Dwayne Wade-esque free throw conundrum. He comes flying into the lane, and he elevates, and nobody can stay in front of him. So as a result, people foul, and when they foul, you know, he could shoot 20 free throws in a playoff game, and it could swing a big playoff game. But this was an interesting test because the Celtics are the best defense in the league. They have some very specific things that they bring to the table in terms of their scheme that shut down a lot of what Memphis does. 
switching defenses force you to create in isolation. And so I was really curious to see how they fared tonight. Now, to be clear, John Morant, the little context here, John Morant's only shooting 28% from three in his last 23 games. So he's going through a massive shooting slump when he's actually been a pretty good shooter over the course of the previous calendar year. So that's a weird context there. We're going to talk about that in a second. Shooting slumps can be weird, and they can really get in players' heads, especially young players' heads. But as a result, you were going to have to have other guys that can create their shots. And what was interesting, and this is the biggest flaw in this roster, and it's the main reason why they're not a top-tier contender, they're clearly in that second tier. When you need more than one guy that can create their own shot against a set elite defense, John Morant's going to be just fine. I'm not worried about him. We're going to get to him in a second. Desmond Bain, who's their backcourt partner there for Jaw, he is a, a really good shooter, and he's a really good slasher, meaning if he's attacking a closeout, so someone chases him off the line, he can rip through and he can get to the rim and he can finish. He's big and strong and athletic. What Desmond Bain is not is a scorer. And so one of the things you saw tonight before garbage time, you made, I think, four shots in garbage time tonight, but you saw Desmond Bain really struggle tonight. Because in the Clipper switching scheme, you needed him to be able to create his own shot, and that's not a strength of his. Jaron Jackson Jr., who I think I've always called him like AD light. He's very similar to AD as a defensive player in terms of his versatility. But on the offensive end, he's actually a much better shooter than Anthony Davis is. But he can be such a bull in a china shop going to the basket. He's very much a tunnel vision. I'm putting my head down. I'm going through your chest. I'm trying to get to the basket. And that thing just doesn't work against the best defenses, unless you're an all-world athlete. We're talking the LeBrons, the Giannis's of the world. And Jaron Jackson Jr. is very much not that. So, again, in a setting like this, he's less valuable because in a packed paint setting, in a switching defense setting where you need him to isolate, it's just not as good of an option. And so it came down to Ja, and Ja started the game one for eight from three again. Because what all these teams are going to do, especially when they get to the postseason, is play way off of him, and force him to make shots. Is he ready to do that right now? No, I don't think so. But I think he will be. My boss, Colin Cowherd, did a whole uh, a bit the other day talking about John Morant and comparing him to Derrick Rose and Russell Westbrook and to John Wall. And for the record, I totally see what he's getting at. And there's a lot of truth to it. That we have absolutely seen the super athletic point guard that's not a great shooter come through the league several times and he's also right that there there is no success story on that front all of them have flailed or uh, flamed out for various reasons the biggest difference though I think is all of those players had a fatal flaw okay John Wall could not shoot Derrick Rose could not shoot Russell Westbrook complete spaz John Morant isn't a great shooter yet but if you look at his form and if you look at how well he shoots at the free throw line and you look at the stretches where he shoots well, he's going to be a good shooter. And he has all of the other boxes checked. He's a freak athlete that can get by anybody off the dribble. He can finish at the rim. But he has a floater package. John uh, Russell Westbrook has been in the league for over a decade, has never added a floater package to his game. It's been a massive thing that has held him back. John Morant has that stuff. He has the mid-range game. He has the floater stuff. He's got a great feel for the game as a passer, which will only improve as he gets older. His form on his jump shot looks great. If you looked at Derrick Rose when he was young, 
it was broke. If you look at John Wall when it was young, when he was young, it was broke. John Wall still to this day shoots like a set shot, like he's Jason Kidd. So like John Morant has a much much more, you know, he has he has a foundation on his shot that's going to work really well. So is it possible that he ends up being the next one of those guys? Yeah, but I don't think it's super likely because I think he's clearly better than all of them. And so that'll be the, 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 the bellwether moving forward is if Ja can add that shooting, which I believe he will, he instantly becomes a way better player than any of those guys ever were. And in a playoff setting, that, that, that'll be the big indicator for him this year. If they do end up going on a run, making it to the Western Conference Finals, winning a championship, it'll be because Ja makes shots. But yeah, if Ja goes one for eight, you know, every other night in the postseason – they might lose in the first round. That's how vulnerable they are in a postseason setting because they don't have that second shot creator. But again, this was, I told you guys earlier in the season, the Grizzlies were very cocky and confident. They were talking a lot of trash to people. This is the hard part. This is where it gets hard. This is where you have to put your money where your mouth is. It wasn't good enough against the Celtics tonight. They're going to have other opportunities, but it's really going to come down to jaw making shots and they're going to have to get something offensively out of Bain and out of Jackson. All right, moving on to the Heat and the Nets. So Kevin Durant returned tonight. I, I'm always completely and utterly blown away by how easily Kevin Durant can step back out onto a basketball court. I had a buddy growing up who was so natural as a scorer in basketball that he could go six months without touching a basketball and walk into the gym and shoot amazingly well. And then for me, still to this day, even though I, I literally train like I'm a professional athlete, I, I can go on a four-day ski trip and come back and completely forget how to dribble because I'm very based on my rhythm. I, ha- I need lots of reps to get it going. And it's so funny because I see a similar dynamic between LeBron and Kevin Durant. Like when LeBron takes time off, when LeBron has an injury, when LeBron gets out of basketball for a little bit and comes back, he looks super sloppy. Can't handle the ball. His shot goes to heck. He struggles a lot seeing the floor. You see that a lot in playoff series, early in playoff series, especially when he was in Cleveland. They'd get a sweep. They'd win four games in a row. And then, like, they'd have six days off. And then he'd come back and look like crap in the, ne- in the next game because he was just rusty. Kevin Durant is like my buddy. He's just this incredible, natural basketball player. I, don't, I'm not, I want to be clear. He works his tail off. This guy doesn't go six <laughs> – this guy doesn't go days without touching a basketball – but it's also amazing to me how he's always in rhythm. And it makes him such a devastating weapon because you don't have to plan for him in your offense. This is what made him so good in Golden State. You could play Steph ball for six minutes, and KD could go without touching the ball and just be running up and down the floor playing defense, but then suddenly you could go to him in an isolation possession and he'll score. Whereas if you did that with just about any other scorer in the league – they would miss on their first attempt and maybe their second attempt because they have to regain their rhythm when they're not involved in the offense. It's always been one of the most impressive things to me about Kevin Durant. Another thing that I thought was super interesting tonight, KD obviously is getting up there in years. And one of the things that he does to prevent himself from taking bumps and bruises around the basket to protect his body, he will drive to three to five feet from the basket and shoot a jump shot which in retrospect is kind of genius because what he's doing is he's saving himself wear and tear. Instead of 
flying into a shot blocker, taking a bunch of contact, trying to draw a foul, falling to the ground, he just raises up for that five-footer because that five-footer for him might as well be a layup. He's remarkably proficient at it. Just little details in his game that I've loved. You know, I thought Kevin Durant should have won MVP this year if he didn't get hurt. We massively underrated, underrated how his effort early in the season floated that team when they were really struggling. And on a Nets team that had Joe Harris hurt, that had Kyrie Irving not able to play, James Harden out of shape and actively looking at other situations, he just – I think when he got hurt, they were the one or the two seed. He just carried them to that point. And unfortunately, his knee got hurt and it derailed him. This poor guy has had an unbelievably poor set of injury luck over the course of the last half decade. And I'm hopeful that he'll get a chance to show us what he's capable of because I think he very much is in the conversation for the best player in the league. This season, with Kevin Durant on the floor, coming into tonight, they were plus 109 with KD on the floor, minus 166 with him off. That's how much of a difference he's made for that completely talent void roster, (laughs) at least for what he was dealing with early in the season. I actually do think they have a decent amount of talent after the trade. You know, people don't understand what he does and how much how hard he works to do what he does, and I just hope that people realize that. You know, the Heat were interesting in a lot of ways, too. Bam Adebayo is getting a ton of attention right now. He's on a 12-game stretch, I believe, where he's averaging 22-11 and 11 on 57% shooting. He's doing, a, he's doing a lot of the stuff that Anthony Davis does, you know, without the jump shot, obviously, although Anthony Davis can't shoot either. He's the, the cornerstone of their defense and everything that they do. He give, His ability to set screens – and roll to the rim is very similar to what Anthony Davis can do. The huge thing that he can do, though, is pass out of the high post. And with how many guys that Miami has that can cut and shoot off of dribble handoffs and that are smart and can read defenses and make simple, like, you know, curls and cuts and reads and screens and things like that, he's a really dynamic player to have with the ball in his hands at the top of the key because of all the things he can do there. The one thing that concerns me with Bam, and this is the reason why I don't believe in the Miami Heat the way that other people do, is because it's, it's because of something that I saw in the 2020 Finals. When you have Bam Adebayo on the court and you're playing against a really good defensive center, that defensive center can ignore Bam. Bam is basically not taking threes anymore. He's only shooting 37.4% from 10 to 16 feet. He's only shooting 34.7% from 16 feet to the three-point line. So he's basically a non-shooting threat. And in game six of the finals, which was one of the best defensive performances I've ever seen from a basketball team, the reason, the main reason why they were able to make that work, in addition to all of the guards doing their job, was Anthony Davis ignored Bam and just camped around the basket all game long and shut everything down that Miami tried to do. That will continue to happen, especially in specific matchups. That team has to go through Giannis. That team has to go through Joel Embiid. Joel Embiid will ignore Bam Adebayo and hang out around the basket. Now, is there downsides to that? Yeah, of course, Bam, as a screener, can help get guys open jump shots and things along those lines. But teams like Philly have so much length on the perimeter, that's going to be Matisse Thibel chasing you over the top. That's going to be Tobias Harris chasing you over the top. That's going to be Tyrese Maxey chasing you over the top. Those aren't going to be easy shots. And you're going to be driving right into Joel Embiid, who's one of the best defensive players in the league. So the Bam Adebayo thing, I just don't think – works right now for the championship level ceiling that they're shooting for. I definitely believe that at some point in the future, if he becomes a shooter, that he can alleviate some of that. 
but it's definitely a concern of mine right now. And then lastly, Tyler Harrow's, uh, uh, I think he's on five straight games, scoring over 20 points off the bench. He's having an, an amazing season after having kind of a slump last year. And the most fascinating thing to me about his game, just for all you young basketball players out there, is how high he elevates on his jump shot. I always say you have to have one of two things in a jump shot. You have to either have a super quick release or you have to elevate and have a high release point. And if you're going to do both, it needs to be adjusted. So, like, if you're standing still in the corner and you're shooting, it needs to be quick. But if you're attacking off the dribble and you're shooting off of movement at all, you have to elevate. And Tyler Harrow is six foot seven, is a freak athlete, and he comes flying off these screens or he runs down the floor in transition and he elevates, and his release point is damn near above the rim. And so as a result of that, he always gets super clean looks. So if you can attach that to shooting proficiency, which he absolutely has, he's a great three-point shooter, it becomes a devastating offensive weapon because there's not a whole lot you can do when a 6'7 athlete is flying off a screen and turning and rising and fire, rising and firing at a release point higher than 10 feet. It's just really difficult to guard, and it gives them an interesting weapon. Again, I don't believe in Miami this year. I don't think Jimmy and Kyle Lowry can generate the quality offense to beat the teams in the East that have just way better offensive players, but they do have some exciting pieces. Tyler Harrow is absolutely someone that I've really enjoyed watching this year. All right, guys, that is all I have for tonight. I apologize for the Lakers providing us with very little interesting basketball to talk about on that front. We will be back for Saturday night against Golden State. I would hope that at that point Frank Vogel is gone. I mean, even if he is gone, I'm not sure anything's going to stop the Lakers from rolling over and letting Golden State beat them by 30. But either way, I will be here right after the final buzzer for the show like usual. As always, I appreciate your guys' support, and I'll see you in a couple of days. The volume. Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere, like at your pregame barbecue. While you prep your meats, that grease trap you forgot to empty is prepping to smoke your porch, garage, and the car inside. And without the right home and auto insurance coverage, the cost to repair this could eat up your savings. So bundle home and auto with Allstate to save and get protected from mayhem like this. Bundled savings variant are not available in every state. Coverage is subject to policy terms and conditions. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yeah, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, Right now, you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details.